right. Good morning, everybody. Good. You guys doing well this morning so far? Yeah, it's exciting to see, isn't that? See people get baptized, take that next step. So God is faithful and just neat to hear them. I'll talk about Suzanne a little bit later. She's just got a really cool story, what God's doing in her life. Um, but uh, my name is Nate Westerfield. I'm the Creative Arts Pastor on staff, if you're new to Great Oaks. So thank you for being here this morning, for joining us online as well. We're glad to have you with us. And I uh, get to continue on this Ephesians series uh, with week two here. And last week, Pastor Dan kicked it off. He did a great job, you know, just reminding us that God brings us into his family, that God is glorified through his family, and that God guarantees each family member their place in his family. And so just a great reminder that when we say yes to Jesus, we are now a part of his family. We're sons and daughters in Christ. And so if you missed that, you can always go to greatoaks.church slash media um, or on the church app. You can even watch sermons there as well um, to catch up if you missed it. But last week, Dan laid out the history of Paul, who was writing to the Ephesians. And I just want to recap that just a little bit, right? Paul wrote it. It was around 60, 61 AD. Um, He wrote it from a prison cell. He had spent some time in Ephesus, about two to three years um, prior to that. But as he was sitting in the jail cell in Rome, right, Paul wrote out to the different churches. And Ephesians is one of the churches that he wrote the letter to. And I think today... um, what we get to highlight is another mystery that we find in the book of Ephesians. We've talked about how there's six different mysteries in the book of Ephesians. We took the picture of a puzzle um, to use that word mystery, right? Because a lot of times, could you imagine getting a puzzle without the picture, right? Could you imagine that? It'd be hard to put it together, right? The picture gives us a reference point of what it looks like. But if we don't have the picture, it's harder to put the puzzle together. We take it step by step kind of reminds me of our lives with God, right? We don't see the end picture. God knows what that picture is, but as we follow after him, it's piece by piece. Reminds me of the scripture in Psalm, right? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Didn't say that God blasts a floodlight and illuminates our future. No, he just gives us piece by piece. And so in the book of Ephesians, we see this word mystery played out. And so today, I'm actually gonna talk about the mystery of grace, but also also the truth of sin. And so I want us today, together, before we get into this, I'd really love for us all to read the first 10 verses of Ephesians chapter two together, out loud. And as we read this, I really want the words, as they're spoken out of our mouths, I want us to listen to the words we say, not just to repeat it, but actually to hear the words that we're saying. And so Uh, You know, there's always that argument. If I say one, two, three, do we start on three or do we start after three, right? And so I think we're going to go one, two, three, read, okay? So so when I say one, two, three, then we'll read together, all right? It'll be on the screen here. I'll turn around and we'll read this together. Ephesians chapter two, verses one through 10. So here we go. One, two, three, read. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, 
in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Good job. Way to go. You guys read well. You know, um, last year, um, before COVID hit, Kaylee, my wife, and I, we ended up getting real sick at, at home. Now, um, it was so bad, like deathly ill. Like, I've never been that sick before. Um, the closest thing I had to it was my brain tumor way back in 2004, right? And finding that out and, and just the pain that led up to us finding that out. But it got to the point to where one night I was shaking, I had a fever, my body ached all over. And I told Kaylee, I said, Kaylee, I'd rather go home with Jesus today than live like this another day, right? I experienced such agony and pain. And when I had that, well, the next day I started to feel a little bit better. We ended up going to the doctor. I got tested. And both of us actually ended up having influenza A. That's what we tested for. Now, you could say we probably had COVID. We didn't know at that time it was COVID, but maybe we did. But I remembered that feeling of death, longing for it in, in a small way. We see Paul in the New Testament actually longing for it at times. And not so much due to the pain that he was experiencing, but to the promise of meeting Jesus, right? Now, for me, I wish I could say that was a true thing. Um, I was just in pain, right? And so it, it just really hurt. Um, but I think we all have some time in our life where we've experienced something. We felt bad enough in our bodies and our flesh that maybe we didn't want death, but man, we felt bad, really bad to where like, man, I don't know if I'm going to get better, right? I don't know if I'm going to get through this. And so it reminded me of this first verse in Ephesians here, chapter two and verse one. And Paul says this, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You were dead in your transgressions and sins. So now we can definitely dig into that a little bit more. And I, and I want to, and really what I want to do, instead of focusing on the word death though, is I really want to focus on the reason why that death occurs. And he says, because of your transgressions and sins. Now, transgressions means to fall away, right? The original Greek word for that means to fall away, but I really want to focus on the word sins, right? And the word for that in this instance that Paul used was harm, harmatia, H-A-R-M-A-R-T-I-A. Harmatia is the word that Paul used. And the word is the word for sin, which is a shooting word, right? It's a word that they use to actually shoot a bow or a gun, or a dart in this case, and it means a miss. Harmatia, or sin, is our failure to hit the target. Now, when I worked at State Farm um, over in Normal, I actually joined a dart league on Wednesday nights at the Irish Club, <laughs> for a better name, um, in Normal. Um, and uh, I, it was some guys I worked with at State Farm, and actually I, I enjoyed darts playing them as a kid. Um, and so I was like, sure, I'll give it a, give it a go. I, that sounds like a lot of fun. And so the game of darts actually became really fun, and I enjoyed playing with those guys and hanging out and getting to know them. Um, but that's what I thought about when I read this word. It's a miss, right? It's sin is a miss. It's a miss that we can't achieve God, right? We don't even hit the board. Matter of fact, in archery, 
sin is a terminology if you don't hit the bullseye, right? If you don't hit the bullseye, it's called a sin. And so as I thought about that, I was thinking, man, this really applies really well because what we think in our lives, and I think I'm guilty of this just as much, is that we think that sin is rated, right? There's murder and there's thieves and, right, and there's drug dealers and and then there's, right, the guys who are on Wall Street who steal our money, right? And, and then there's the people, the social media people who steal their money, right? And so, right, there's all these people that are evil, but we're like, I'm not one of them. I'm not one of them. I'm, I'm a good person. I do good things. I'm not bad all the time. I might tell a little white lie here and there. Or I might, you know, maybe take two mints instead of one mint, right? Or whatever, right? So we're not too bad, but I think what, we don't understand is that we don't hit the bullseye, right? No matter how good we might be when it comes to sin, we all sin. We all miss. And I would say that our sin doesn't even hit the board. It doesn't even hang on. Our sin separates us from God. If God were the dartboard, for a lack of a better term, right, a metaphor, we can't even cling to the board. We can't even come close to the board. Our sin separates us entirely from God. See, what Paul was talking about here is not just the physical aspects of death, but the spiritual aspects of death. Before Jesus came, we were dead dead in sin, dead in transgressions. Isaiah 59, 2 says this, but your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. See, sin isn't just a minor miss. It's a complete miss entirely. We don't even hit the board. But I think it goes deeper too because if we continue to walk in this sin, it does kill us physically, ultimately, right? We know from Adam and Eve, right, that they ate of the, of the fruit, sin came into their lives, and, and God said that death would come. Now, it didn't come immediately, right? It's not a punishment that happens right away, but that sin does come, and ultimately that ends in death. But if we continue to walk in sin every day in our lives, there are things that happen to us physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, that continues to separate us from, from God. I'll read Ephesians 2, verses 2 and 3. In which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And I love what Matthew Barnes, he's a commentator, says, and I, I just took this from him because I couldn't find a better way to explain it. But first off, he talked that sin kills innocence. And what I mean by that, once innocence is lost, it can never be recovered by us. It is never forgotten, and guilt remains. Had to think about this. Each sin taints us in some way, right? It modifies our brain. It modifies our heart, 
just a little bit each time we do it. When I was a kid, uh, my dad grew up going to church in uh, Hayworth, Illinois, United Pentecostal Church. And I remember this skit that they did. Um, I was probably, I don't know, maybe 10 years old or so. And they, they did this kind of full-length drama, not just a skit, a full-length drama. And they, uh, they had this guy who was the main character who happened to end up being uh, one of my cousins, Paul. And he played this guy who lived a great life, got out of high school, started meeting some friends. And what would happen is, is he grew up in the church, he knew Jesus, but then he started to walk away. And as he walked away, he started to do things that maybe um, we've all been a part of at some point in our life. And he began to, to sin and fall deeper in sin, much like the prodigal son, right? But what was interesting about this skit is you'd see him portray it on the stage and they'd live out the scene. Maybe it was partying. Maybe it was, you know, that I think one of the scenes was breaking into a store and robbing the store. But what was interesting is what they would do is they would show the spiritual side of what was happening to his soul, right? So the scene would change. Everything would go dark. And you'd see this guy dressed in white walking out because Paul, the guy who played the character at first, he was innocent, right? He, he'd been forgiven of, of his sin, right? And so his soul was, was clean, right, in that regard. Um, and he'd walk down the aisle, and all of a sudden you see these other figures in black, and they would come up, and they would mark Paul with a black streak, right? They would show in the spiritual world. Now, this is, this is just all metaphor, right? No, this isn't in the Bible. This is just a picture to maybe explain what's going on in our hearts and our minds, right? That as he was sinning, that sin left a mark on his heart and his spirit. See, when we sin and we continue to sin, it separates us from God more and more. And that's what they were trying to show, this picture of of Paul being separated from God and how the sin continued to drive a wedge between him and God. Sin kills innocence. Starts with maybe that first little lie, stealing that first object we've always wanted, maybe taking that second look, which leads to a third and a fourth, right? To where lust takes over. Think about with my own boys, Hudson and Parker and Camden, as parents, how many times do we get that opportunity to teach our kids, don't tell a lie, you don't need to hide the truth, you know, tell me the truth, right? Let me know what what happened and why it happened. But it's natural for us to want to hide that because we don't want to get in trouble or there's fear or because we want what we took or whatever. Sin kills innocence. Secondly, sin kills ideals. We begin to make excuses and lower our standards, right? We begin to let more and more in. We tell one white lie, we tell another right? It's like the boy who cried wolf, right? Eventually we tell the lie so many times that it just becomes second nature. We don't know if we're telling the truth or we're speaking a lie. We hope less. We begin to lose sight of why we're living. We begin to live more for our wants and our desires than we do for the things that we just need, right? We lose hope in the fact that this world is a gorgeous, wonderful place and we begin to focus on the negative things around us and no matter what we do, life is never good. It's never great. It's always bad and horrible and we always worry and there's anxiety and there's fear. We lose hope of those things. 
Sin also kills the will eventually. It enslaves us to whatever habit or indulgence we continue in. And I think what happens is sin isolates us, right? We're separated from God when we have the sin already. And like a lone dart in the world, we don't have anybody to cling to or hold on to. And the people who say they're our friends, are they really our friends? They're walking the same life we're walking. They're helping us and watching us maybe see us spiral down and down into this pit, but we begin to lose will. We begin to succumb completely to these addictions, whatever they may be, it's lying or stealing or, or pornography or alcoholism or whatever it may be. We continue to fall into these sins to such a depth we don't know how to get out of them. We're stuck and we succumb and our will is overcome by sin and we just throw in the towel and say we're done. There's no way out of this. I don't know how to get out of this. We're isolated. We're alone. See, sin isn't just a minor miss. It's a complete miss entirely. That's what Paul's talking about. There's an old saying, sow an act and reap a habit. Sow a habit and reap a character. Sow a character and reap a destiny. Whatever we pay into, whatever we plant in our lives, that's what we're going to reap. And we may not reap it right away. We may reap it in our lives somewhere down the road. We may reap it in our kids. We may reap it in different things we're not sure of yet. But as we give into those things, they take root. That same commentator, Barnes, said this. There's a certain murderous power in sin. It kills innocence. Sin may be forgiven, but this effect remains. As early Christian theologian Origen had it, the scars remain. Sin kills ideals. People begin to do without a qualm the thing which once they regarded with a horror. Sin kills the will. It takes such a hold that people cannot break free. Maybe you know somebody that's succumbed to those things. They walked alone. Maybe you tried to help them. I know of people in my life that have walked alone and done that. Some God saved, right? Some haven't. He hasn't yet. Because they haven't been able to turn their lives over and they've just walked alone. There's a few that took their life that I know because they couldn't handle any more. And I remember the pain of missing them when when they did that. I remember saying I should have been there for them. But what they really needed was Jesus. Because I could have supported them. I could have loved them. I could have led them to Jesus. But in the end, they really needed Jesus. And that's what I love about the next part. Because it seems all doom and gloom, right? But I want us to understand that sin separates us from God. No matter what we think, no matter how good we may think we are, that it does separate us from God. But the mystery of grace is the fact that Jesus did something for us that gives us hope. Ephesians 3.2 says this, Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery of 
made known to me by revelation. Paul talks about this mystery. And then in verses 4 through 7 in chapter 2, we read this. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That's unmerited favor. We didn't deserve it, but God gave it anyways. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Here's what I love about that. Here's the best part, right? So we don't have to stay all doom and gloom. We don't have to stay alone, right? We don't have to be alone. Because Jesus paid the price for us. And in those verses, we find out that Jesus removes the guilt, right? No matter what we've done, no matter what we have been a part of in our lives, that Jesus, although we may have still lost our innocence, God restores that innocence in him, right? We may not ever forget the things that we've done. The devil loves to bring those back up. He loves to remind us of the things that we failed to do, right? How many of you guys have struggled with that? Things you've done. I know I have. I know I've done that in my life over and over again. The same things I struggle with today, I struggled with when I was a teenager. Why is that? Why don't we change, right? Why do we struggle with some of the same things? No matter how many times I give it to God, the devil reminds me of what I did. And sometimes I fail in that. But I have to be reminded that God removes the guilt. Jesus removes the guilt. You know, that skit I told you about, I know it's a little hard to understand, but as they wrapped it up and as Paul gave his life back to Christ and they went to the spiritual scene, right, where the black figures were and where his soul being white was at, it's neat because you see this whole figure in white that was scarred and marked up with all the paint marks, as soon as he says yes to Jesus, it's replaced. And there's no more black anymore. There's no more scars or, or paint on his soul. No, Jesus took his place. Jesus restored his innocence. Jesus took the sins away from him on the cross and made him anew. And in that moment, you see that. See, God frees us from the guilt of our actions. Jesus restores our hope. We see anew through the eyes of Jesus. No longer do we see the world maybe as it is and all the things that are going wrong with it and the negativity that persists and the anxiety that comes with it. No, we see a world of hope, of opportunity. We see people who need Jesus. We see people who were once like us who continue to miss the mark and now we're able to maybe not get right to the bullseye, but we're able to come closer. But the best thing is it doesn't matter because Jesus goes, oh, wait a second, let me help you out there. I've got it. I'll hit the bullseye every time because Jesus does that for us, right? He hits the bullseye every time. I'm not that good, see, but Jesus is. (laughs) But Jesus every time hits it. And now that we're in him and that he lives in us, we don't have to worry about that anymore because he paid the price. 
He hits the bullseye every time. And we have that hope. We have that hope to pass on to other people. It's like Ruby and Suzanne who got baptized today. They have that hope, right? They have that hope in their hearts that Jesus died for me. And now I want to let the world know. I want to let the world know that he died for my sins. And that because of that death, I'm going to die to my old life. And I'm going to raise anew to a new life. And I'm going to follow Jesus each and every day of my life. And I'm going to tell people about that hope. Because there's nothing else in this world that will satisfy like Jesus does. No matter what you do, no matter what you say, no much how much money you have or what you give or what you indulge yourself in, I guarantee you it will only lead you to a black hole because it's not Jesus. And I'm saying, I'm not saying that the Christian life's easy, right? We face temptation. We face struggles. The devil day in and day out tries to remind us of our past, but we have this hope in Jesus. I love Suzanne's story as I got to talk to her on the phone, excuse me, about getting baptized. And she said for 20 years, she's been following a different path. She walked in a, a Middle Eastern theology, trying to live her life out the best she could to be good. And that's what it did. It ended up leading her to a life of still emptiness. And then an individual in this church gave her a book, The Jesus Calling. And Jesus began to open her eyes. And the Holy Spirit worked in her heart. And she found this hope. She found that we don't have to live in guilt anymore and that this hope that Jesus gives us is so real and so assured in our life that there's nothing better than Jesus. See, Jesus sets us free. We speak truth. We're not held in the grip of the sins that once enslaved us. No, we're free. He who the Son sets free is what? Free indeed, right? And we experience that in his grace. See, sin is a miss, but Jesus hits the bullseye every time. But there's one reminder that Paul likes to put here at the end. And it's verses 8 through 10. And it says this, that for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. See, and I think this makes it even easier, right? Because Jesus gave us that grace for free. He didn't charge us a thing. All he's asked for us to do is to say, follow after me. Give me your heart. Give me your mind. Give me your spirit. Let me help restore you. Let me put a hope in you that this world cannot break. Let me give you a freedom that you'll never be able to experience. That's what he promises. And all we have to do is give him that grace, our lives, as he gives us that grace. Remember, we can't even hit the board, but Jesus hits the bullseye every time. And it's not what we do. No matter how good we are, 
we'll never get there. But Jesus got there for us. He paid that price. And the beautiful thing is we don't have to do it alone, right? We also have a family of believers that we can come together with and we can support each other and lift each other up. Prayer is a thing that we don't often do enough to lift each other up and to rely on the Holy Spirit in a way that is daily to let him speak to us. As God's word says, to search the deep things of God and make them known to us that we might experience fullness in him that we've never experienced. It's true, we can't hit the board on our own. But we can hit the bullseye every time with Jesus. So what's that mean for us this morning? I think it's important for us to take some steps. I know looking at this part of scripture, my own self, I had to ask God, say, God, is there anything that I've done that's kept me from you? Is there anything I continue to do that separates me from you? Is there any sin in my life? And God keeps digging, right? And it's, it's a good dig. It's a I want to refine you and I want to reshape you and I want to, I want to make you into the person that I know you can be. And sometimes in that process, as he molds us and shapes us, we, we find things that we're holding on to that we need to let go of, sins that we need to be forgiven of, but also maybe character things that have happened or personality things that have taken place because we've let that sin become a part of us that we don't even know. And so this morning, I want us just to bow our heads and I want to ask the first question as you bow our heads. Is there anybody in this room that just needs to say yes to Jesus? Maybe you're watching online and you haven't said yes to Jesus. And if that's true, then I just want to give you a moment here to say yes to Jesus. To take a moment and say, God, I, I am a sinner through and through. I miss the board every time and I want to hit the bullseye but I can't do that without you and so I need you Lord I need you to come into my life I need you to forgive me of my sins and I'm going to take one more step tomorrow or today I'm going to try to live my life following after you if that's you if you did that this morning I would just love to hear that as you leave this morning or you can Text us, so we'll leave this on the screen after we're done praying, but you can say, go Jesus to 9-7-0-0. And we just wanna know that you said yes to Jesus. Maybe you need to repent. Maybe you're like me, and as you're going through the scripture, you're going like, God, I need, to, I need you to work on my life because I, I need to let some things go, God. And maybe right now you're sitting here in this room, you're sitting at home and like, yeah, I need to, I need to let go and say, God, forgive me, because I've, I've wandered away. I'm missing God because I'm falling into sin, and maybe that's you this morning. And it's a simple prayer, saying, God, forgive me. Forgive me of my sin. God, help me to change my mind, renew my heart. God, and help me to 
find people that can surround me and encourage me and lift me up and support me in prayer as we walk together towards you because I know that you hit the bullseye for me every time and that that's why I'm going to pursue after you. And for those people that maybe said yes to Jesus and uh, maybe even you've repented and this morning you're just like, you know what, I want to I wanna show this. I want to show people that I'm making this commitment to God and, you know, we wanted to make it available for you today. If you want to get baptized, the tank's ready. You can do that today. And if not, you can always sign up for the next one. It's April 11th, but we're ready today if you want to take that step. If you're in the room and you're like, I want to do that. Might be a little cold going home, but that's okay because it's worth it. I guarantee you, in my whole life, as I've walked with Christ, that even though there's doubts at times and you wonder, God, why am I doing what I do? Or why do we have to go through that? Or why did I do that again? Or all these things and these questions that we ask sometimes that there is nothing better than being in the presence of God and knowing that he has a plan for our life, even though we don't see it. that there is a mystery to him, that in our own lives we don't see each day laid out for us, but in the end, he never leaves us nor fails us. He walks alongside of us, and his grace and his mercies are new each and every day. And no matter what we do, we can always get back up again and walk towards him. He is our perfect father, our perfect savior, our king of kings, our Lord of lords, and he is our friend as well. And he wants to see us succeed. He wants us to hit the bullseye every time, and in him we can. But so many times we often try to do it on our own, and we forget to include him. And so God, I pray as well that you help us to repent of that, to stop grabbing control of the things in our life, God, and let you have control, that you reign in our hearts and minds each and every day, God, and that no matter what, no matter what, God, in you, we will live. God, in you, we will move. God, in you, we will have our being because you are our God, and you pay the ultimate price for us, God, and no matter what, no matter what may come, God, we're going to follow after you. God, help us to understand, to understand each and every day that we miss, but God, you don't. And it's because of you, God, that we have life and that we have it more abundantly each and every day. I love you, God, for all that you've done, God, and all that you're going to do. You know, if anybody does want to get baptized today, you know, just come up. I'll be over here by the doors to my left, and we can do it as people exit this morning. Maybe you want to sign up. That's totally fine, too. 
But if you've said yes to Jesus, you repented, let's just be reminded, man, that this isn't something also that we hold to ourselves because that last verse that in, in, in there in chapter two says that we were created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepare, prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. We don't just stop when we say yes to Jesus. No, his love should compel us to love others. And that shows, and that shows by us doing good works to them, even when they don't do them to us. As a matter of fact, I think that means even more because it's hard to love the unlovable. It's hard to love the people we don't like. That's what Jesus has asked us to do. So God, just thank you for today. Thank you for your grace and your goodness. Thank you for your hope. Lord, thank you. As we sing this last song, Graves to Gardens, God, that you have. Man, you bring life from the death you bring beauty from ashes. Only you can do that, God. I give you all the praise and all the glory. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for letting me talk today. Let's go ahead and stand up and let's sing this song together.